friends to the tomb of ideas, a Marvel horror podcast. I am the tomb's proprietor, Headstone P. Gravely, and here I are two captive hosts, Shrey Lawson and James Hickson. Welcome back, Tomb Believers, to this, our 26th episode of Tomb of Ideas, a Marvel horror podcast. I'm Trey Lawson. And I'm James Hickson. Wait, Trey, how is this episode 26? We haven't even been around for a year yet. I I, mean, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the list here, and there are, like, this, this adds up to 26. Okay, I know we did the episode... The week after, we did a outtake episode, but that right. still shouldn't make us a month and a half ahead. Right. Um, I mean, I'm not saying that anyone in this tomb might have uh, conducted some sort of arcane ritual to uh, make a deal with Satan to fit in more episodes in a shorter amount of time. I hope not. That'd be a really stupid thing to make a deal with Satan for. I mean, I would get my bills paid first. Yeah, maybe get a microphone, some 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 new hardware, or maybe get out of this tomb. Oh nah, we wouldn't do that. We would, Satan. Come to us. I'm begging you, Satan. Take me. I'm yours to do with as you choose. You know, sometimes it'd be like that. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of Satan, we do have some new news about the Son of Satan Damon Hellstrom series coming to Hulu. Right. Um, so this is uh, coming off of the announcements that I guess were made back in May. This was before convention season. I guess, I guess it was in spring. Um, Hulu yeah. announced both Ghost Rider and Hellstrom series. And as we are finding in our coverage of the comics, it sort of makes sense to announce those two things together. Um, but yeah, the, the Hellstrom series still does not have a cast as far as we know. No, um, at least they, they've not announced it. Um, but it does have a log line. It has like a short summary of what the show is going to be about. Yeah. Um, Marvel's Hellstrom will focus on Damon and Anna Hellstrom, the son and daughter of a mysterious and powerful serial killer who tracked down the terrorizing worst of humanity. Okay, Trey, was Damon's sister always named Anna? Uh, that's a good question. Because, um, I mean, that's kind of funny to me. And, and, I, and, I'm <laughs> sure you, and I'm sure you know why. Um, I'm, I'm blanking. Do you why? want to kill a demon? <laughs> Come on, let's go and slay. You're never cursing anymore. It's such a bore. You've become a real pussy. Our daddy was <laughs> Beelzebub, but now he's not. Jeff Loeb, can you tell me why? Do you <laughs> want to kill a demon? It doesn't have oh. to be a demon. <laughs> 
Um, as far as I can tell, and I'm not I'm not 100% up on the Hellstrom stuff. I'm sort of encountering, aside from when he shows up in team books, I'm encountering a lot of this stuff for the first time. Um, but... Yeah, as, as, as um, I think we'll talk about later in the episode, we haven't even met his sister yet, but we are expecting to right. meet her at some point in the near future. We, we got a tease of her in an ad in last episode. Yep. and So we, we saw been... Satana. Yep. Um, and the only aliases that I can find for Satana are Judith Camber and Melissa Ramos. Okay. So the the Anna thing seems like it's it's uh an innovation for this show. Okay. Um but also it, something else that I don't know if this was news already or not, but um so uh the head of Marvel Television, uh Jeff Loeb announced both Hellstrom and Ghost Rider together. Um it and he's uh, he's labeling them uh, under an overall sort of uh, title, just like the the Netflix shows were all sort of under the Defenders umbrella. Um, well, the, these shows are being referred to as Adventure into Fear, right? And of course, because it's Jeff Loeb's calling the shots here, we know that it has absolutely no bearing on MCU. Yeah, probably not. I mean, it's it's an offshoot in the same way that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is an offshoot. Like, it it can feel free to reference whatever it wants to reference in the MCU, but the MCU Vaguely. feels no... Re- right, but the MCU has no responsibility to reference back. No. Um, unless it just feels like it, uh, as in um, Endgame, when uh, uh, Jarvis showed up. And I think it's because, because of the relationship that... Um, Haley Atwell has with uh, Marvel Studios that Agent Carter is considered somewhat canon, while Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. maybe isn't. Right, right. Well, and and that's the characters that originate in the films are able to move back and forth. Um, Agent Carter, uh, Phil Coulson, um, even, I mean, if you go back far enough, I think it was season one of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Lady Sif showed up for an episode. She did. Before she got her own series with... Right. The blonde girl from Critical Role. Amy Johnson. Who is also in the Avengers. Yes. She was the Um, waitress. Yep, and originally had a bigger scene. Yeah, she was originally going to be a love interest for Cap. And... They decided to not go with that. Yeah. Um, but, in any case, uh, so, yes, the characters that originate in the films seem to be more free to move to and from TV stuff, whereas the TV characters are sort of stuck in their own pocket universe. Right. And um, in other casting the, news... The, mm-hmm. Well, the reason I brought up Adventure into Fear as an umbrella category is that, uh, apparently at least two more shows are expected to be announced under that brand. Which I can see maybe Man-Thing, now that Swamp-Thing has been unceremoniously canceled. Right, or if not directly Man-Thing, then something featuring Jennifer Kale in which Man-Thing is a part. Yeah, it's probably not Howard the Duck, 
because that's already right. being made an animated series for Hulu by Kevin Smith. Right, because that's the thing. Hulu has not one but two different Marvel, like, offshoot pocket universe uh, brands going right now. Right. Actually, more than two, because uh, they've also got their, uh, they've got their Runaways show going. Is that on Hulu? Yeah, yeah. I thought that was Freeform with um, Cloak and Dagger. Maybe they are both freeform. I I I rarely watch things as they air, so I have I have seen them both on Hulu. Yeah, I I'm still working my way through episodes of Critical Role, so I haven't had a ch- chance to watch anything. Yeah. Um although those two shows are going to get a crossover. Critical Role? No, no, no. Uh Runaways and and Cloak and Dagger, they're going to get a crossover. Oh. Well, that's nice. Uh, which, if you if you've read, I think volume one of Runaways, that makes yeah. sense because uh, Cloak and Dagger do show up in that comic as sort of the older versions of superpowered teens that run away from home. Yeah, that's that's what they were back in the eighties. Uh, that they were big in the eighties, and so were Power Pack, which they keep on talking about. You know, yep. we're making a Power Pack series. Well, they did a pilot at one point. Did they? Yeah, it it's not great. <laughs> now, now this was back in the eighties, right? The uh, it would have been maybe nineties. Okay, it was when Marvel was doing a lot of pilots that did not take. Because um, there was a Power Pack. Um, there's a Generation X pilot that's real bad. I've seen clips. Yeah, yeah. Marvel actually owns the rights to that again now, because that was for Fox, right? Yes. Yes. They got a TV movie out of it. Yeah. Yeah, the, the Generation X thing did get broadcast in some areas. Um, just like uh, Different Universe, but the 90s uh, Justice League uh, pilot got aired as a TV movie in certain areas. And the 90s Nick Fury movie. I, I've watched the Nick Fury movie. So have I. I watched it when it aired. Me too. Yeah. That was like appointment television for me. I'm like, a Marvel movie? yep yep well and you gotta like i like as a kid like my local video rental store had like the vhs editions of like the the incredible hulk tv movies and i got a kick out of that stuff and so when like new ones started airing on on television i was i was all over that yeah I I watched I think I watched the Death of the Incredible Hulk VHS like a thousand times, and like mm-hmm. the best days were when I could be sick off school because I could watch either an Incredible Hulk marathon on Sci-Fi or yep. a Quantum Leap marathon on Sci-Fi. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I went through a, a sickly phase as a kid where I was home from school a lot and uh, and. I was all about the uh, the Incredible Hulk marathons, but also Dark Shadows. They would marathon Dark Shadows. I probably saw several years worth of Dark Shadows because they just kept showing episodes back to back. I never got into Dark Shadows somehow. My wife is a big fan. Well, I, I own the complete series. You know, CW is rebooting it. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's exciting. Um... It's very much, I mean, Dark Shadows, one of those, like, 
pop culture things from the 60s and early 70s that that probably were a direct influence on Tomb of Dracula. Yeah, uh, I know they reference it in an episode of Mad Men. Um, yeah. One of the characters is auditioning for a role on Dark Shadows. Yeah. And uh, I know I didn't read the article. Are they bringing back Barnabas Collins and all that stuff? Yeah, I think this is a full-on reboot. I don't think it's like a sequel or anything like that. Um, which usually, it's funny, Dark Shadows ran for a while before Barnabas Collins showed up. Like, it, he was originally not the star of that show. Yeah. Um, and, and But every time it's been revived since, they've started with the Barnabas Collins story, because that's the thing that people remember. And I think, like, even when I tried watching it a few years back, um, the collection I got from the library started with Barnabas Collins. Yeah, yeah. Like, you can get the earlier episodes. Like like I say, I have all of it. But uh, but it's one of the, it's also one of those things, I think, like Doctor Who, there are some episodes that are missing or only partially available. Okay. Um, but, but also, it was revived in the 90s, um, early 90s. Uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, as a child, was on it. Um, wow. Wait, was that on sci-fi? No, it was it was network. It might have been syndication. But but in that one, Barnabas Collins was played by, um, and I'm blanking on the actor's name, but he plays Sarek in the Star Trek reboot movies. Okay. Um, Spock's father in in the the Chris Pine Star Trek movies. So that was a that was a reboot too, not a continuation. Yeah, like it legit just started by remaking the okay. original Barnabas episodes. Okay. See, I would find it interesting if they did decide to do it as a continuation. Well, and here's the thing, is if you go far enough into the series, you get into alternate timelines. What? Like, there are, there, there's a parallel universe that exists within the show. Okay. Like, because there are two Dark Shadows theatrical movies... One of them is about Barnabas Collins, and I'm pretty sure... I haven't watched it in years, but I'm pretty sure the other one is in the alternate universe. Because none of the usual characters are in it. And one of them stars Johnny Depp. That doesn't count. <laughs> that movie is a travesty and never should have been made. I'm like, but... So, wait, you didn't appreciate your beloved dark soap opera being reimagined as a comedy? Not even a little bit. Speaking of reimaginings and going a little bit more back to the mandate of show Marvel, uh, they are apparently considering uh, casting people of color for Charles Xavier and Magneto in any upcoming MCU appearances. Yeah, which, I mean, that's that's cool. That's fine. That's, uh, I mean, especially... It's one of those things where, unless the race of a character is a direct impact on backstory, motivation, whatever, like, there's no reason not to cast as wide a casting net as possible. I think I did see some people online who had problems with uh, Magneto possibly not being a, Mag a European Jew who was in the concentration camps. But... You know, without some serious Chris Claremont de-aging 
stuff, that really didn't work anymore. Well, it's one of those things where sliding Marvel timeline, you know? Yeah. Like, like at a certain point, you have to let go of certain historical touchstones in order to keep the characters the right age. I suppose. Like, I mean, like, for example, I mean, and, and sometimes that means finding a comparable alternative. So, like, how many wars has the Punisher fought in at this point? There have been a lot. But, like, was he a Vietnam vet? Was he a Gulf War vet? Was he a second Gulf War vet? Like, where where did he fight in the military before he came back and became the Punisher? Well, I, I think someone else I saw rec- um, speculated he might be a survivor of the struggle for civil rights in the South in the 1960s. Yeah, which that would be, I mean, and the comparison often gets made between Xavier and Magneto and uh, King and Malcolm X. That might be a little on the nose for this, but but it certainly could be. It, it could work thematically. Yeah. And really, let's be honest, the, the comparison of Professor Xavier to Martin Luther King and Magneto to Malcolm X is a massive oversimplification of both of the real figures in this uh, scenario. For one thing... Yeah, it, it's, an, it's an oversimplification both of what those actual historical figures stood for and it's sort of a a distortion of what the fictional characters do within the stories true for one thing magneto is a horrible human being but then again so is professor xavier he absolutely professor xavier is a jerk (laughs) thank you kitty pride so okay speaking of being way on the nose um another rumor we have heard just today, and guys, this could change by the time you actually hear this episode. We apologize, we are recording this a little bit in advance. Is that Denzel Washington is possibly being considered for Magneto? Yeah, and, and this is very early. Um, I don't think they are anywhere near ready to announce cast production, let alone casting on any new X Men properties. Um, because Probably. they are still figuring out where those characters are going to fit into everything. Um, but they could do a lot worse. Yeah, unless uh, Charles Xavier and Magneto were going to keep on showing up throughout Phase 4. True. And, like, the falling out between them is, like, the... We see that happen through Phase 4, and then... We start Phase 5 with Xavier founding the X-Men and Magneto founding his brotherhood. Kind of like stretching first class a lot. Yeah, yeah. Well, and even before they're ready to cast anybody, I could see them start dropping names, you know? Um, Like, uh, remember in Winter Soldier when um, the, the... evil Hydra helicarriers are targeting possible threats all over the world, and they name-drop a bunch of people, including Stephen Strange. Yeah, which doesn't make any sense, really, in the context of the film. But it, it, it 
it starts setting up the existence of people within the, that universe. Yeah, but it still doesn't make any sense why why Hydra is targeting Stephen Strange. Why do you even know about Stephen Strange at this point? Sure. Because I mean, if some readings of the timeline still have Stephen Strange being a surgeon at this point. Oh, absolutely. Because I, I mean, I am, it's never outright stated, but I'm convinced that, um, when Stephen Strange has his car accident, um, the, the surgical case he is talking about on the phone is, uh, is Rhodey. They've actually said it isn't Rhodey. Oh, did they? Yeah. I believe the Russos said that. Or maybe... That's a shame. That, that would have been a nice connection. Somebody, I, I swear somebody said that it's not Rhodey. Because that, that would have clearly placed him within the broader Avengers timeline. I, yes, it would. But it doesn't give him much time for training. True, true. As a mystic. Because we really don't know how long he was up in that retreat training for his thing. That's true. Does. In which case, he could very well have been training when Winter Soldier was happening. Yes. And it's very possible that the uh, colonel that they're referencing could be one of the failed uh, pilots for the armors we see in Iron Man 2. Right. The, the, the failed, like, hammer tech and, and other offshoots. Yes, all of them try to imitate Stark Tech. Yeah, which would place it much closer to that movie, which would have been further in the past. Yes. But in any case, um, they, they could start dropping and, names of X-Men related characters before anyone ever shows up. Yeah, should, should prove interesting. Also, shifting gears a little bit uh, away from Marvel, but back toward uh, sort of horror and horror hosting more broadly. Um, we talked last episode about uh, Elvira's uh, attempt at getting a, a show on either Netflix or Shudder um, not working out. Um, we got more information on that uh, from a couple different sources uh, online. Um, it looks like um, the show she was pitching was actually an animated project. It wasn't a traditional uh, midnight movie macabre relaunch, but it was an animated series. Um, she says she is still developing that, um, she's not given up on it, but she also has gotten some sort of offer to do a third live-action film, um, and so, uh, she has shifted gears to working on that live-action film while continuing to develop the animated thing in the background. I would have liked to see an animated Elvira project, that, that sounds like a shoe-in, but... Again, another movie is great, and I'm sure we'll get some kind of horror hosting from her in some capacity come Halloween or so. Sure. Um, also, she says she is working on her autobiography, um, which is slated to be released in about a year. Wow. I wonder what the title will be. I don't know. That will be uh, that'll be interesting to find out. But in any case, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'll give it a read. Yeah. Anyway... Guys, we do actually have some comics to talk about this episode. <laughs> yeah, directly related to where we started with the uh, the Hellstrom stuff. That's right, folks, because we, this episode of Tomb of Ideas, we are covering the epic Hellstrom crossover starting in Ghost Rider Volume 2, Issue 2, 
and continuing in Marvel Spotlight number 12. Be there or be damned. <laughs> Sorry, I felt an evil laugh was appropriate. This October, the Cinepunks podcast group invites you to our annual celebration of all things spooky. Cineween. From October 1st to 31st, Cinepunks.com is your home for Halloween scares, new writing, special podcast episodes, all to make you feel seasonally creepy. Somewhere between science and superstition, there is another world. A world of darkness. Nobody expected it. Nobody believed it. And nothing could stop it. I'm telling you that that thing upstairs isn't my daughter. The one hope. I want you to tell me that you know for a fact that there's nothing wrong with my daughter except in her mind. The only hope. You tell me you know for a fact that an exorcism wouldn't do any good. You tell me that. The exorcist. Warner Brothers presents William Peter Vladdy's The Exorcist. The Exorcist, directed by William Friedkin. The Exorcist, rated R. Under 17, not admitted without parent. Welcome back to Believers. Our first issue this episode is Ghost Rider Volume 2, Issue 2. Cover date on this one is October 1973. The title is Shake Hands with Satan. Writer is Gary Friedrich. Penciler is Jim Mooney. Inker is Sid Shores. Colorist is Linda Lesman. Letterer is Gaspar Saladino. Editor is Roy Thomas. Ghost Rider and Roxanne are on the run from the police in the truck they stole last issue. Finally, after almost running off the road due to extreme angst, Ghost Rider decides to surrender to Satan, backhanding Roxanne when she tries to stop him. In answer to his surrender, Linda Littletree, the witch woman, appears in the sky above them. The two bicker over the terms of Giant's surrender, but are interrupted as a gang of neo-Nazi bikers roll up. Meanwhile, because I know we're all wondering about Snake Dance, he and Sam Silvercloud are visited by the exorcist that Sam had summoned last issue, Damon Hellstrom. Because of the late hour, Hellstrom says there is nothing he can do today about Linda's possession and requests to bind him with a chain of onks for the night, locking him in a room and not releasing him until morning. Once night falls, however, a change comes over Hellstrom and he begs to be released, promising that this is the only way that may free Linda. Beguiled, Sam releases the man, only to find him now in a strange costume carrying a gold pitchfork and bearing the brand of a pentagram on his chest. Elsewhere, it seems the bikers have come with the express purpose of challenging Johnny Blaze to a fight, but which woman sees little purpose in such a confrontation and instead teleports away with the Ghost Rider, leaving Roxanne at the mercy of the bikers. Which woman and Ghost Rider arrive in hell where Linda Littletree reveals she has been possessed by Satan the whole time. Satan uses an army of demons to pin Ghost Rider and ready him for sacrifice, but the netherworld bloodshed is halted when a mysterious voice from off-panel commands them to stop, to which Satan replies, 
No. Not you. Not you! So? Um... It's weird, because it feels like a fair amount happened, but also not a lot happened. Yeah, I, I didn't hate the issue. It was actually... No. It was actually pretty enjoyable, especially when paired with the next issue. Yeah, yeah, and, and a huge improvement over issue number one, which sort of started off this story. Yeah, I'm still not really thrilled about the first issue of a Ghost Rider comic being pretty much devoted to the introduction of Damon Hellstrom. Right. Well, and also, um, I, I guess if I had a complaint, it is that we are now two issues into Ghost Rider, the series, and he has yet to ride a motorcycle. That is true. I thought for sure he was going to steal one of the biker's motorcycles. Maybe he still right. will in, in issue three. Maybe. One thing, just in terms of art, um, I, I never like it when artists draw eyes in Ghost Rider's sockets. Yeah, it's it's a weird look. Like it's just it's a weird look thing. when Ghost Rider. It's not. I, I just it's personal preference. I just don't like it when when you can see his eyes. Yeah, I will say the artwork is getting better. Yeah, um, they're still figuring out how to do the flaming skull. Like in in a lot of the panels here, it looks like hair. Yeah, it does that thing where I see like cosplayers do it sometimes, where it just kind of looks like hair on the Ghost Rider. Yeah. And no, I like to see a fully engulfed head. Right, right. No, in instead he just looks like he is incredibly ginger. Well, he does have no soul. <laughs> oh, yeah. Also, related to the art, is it just me or does uh, so-called Satan um, remind me a lot of Dormammu? Like on the cover? Yeah, well, I mean, in general, but yeah. Yeah, on a cover he does, but I think when you see him later in the book, he doesn't really look a lot like Dormammu. Hold on, let me find a good panel. Uh... I guess it's more that he's sort of the silhouette with eyes and the, the the vertical lines down the red. I don't know. Yeah, that's just how they... The, the horns make him different, I guess. Yeah, if, if we're saying people look like Dormammu, we would say that Giant Storm looks like Dormammu in that case. Yeah. Well, there, there's certainly a Human Torch vibe with the way the, the red and the lines and all that. Yeah, but. I find it interesting that they have gone ahead and drawn the horns and the what hair we do see to resemble Damon Hellstrom. That's true, yeah. So, you know, we see a family yeah, resemblance they, they, there. They have similar silhouettes, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's sort of a... This issue feels like a means to an end to get us to Marvel Spotlight. Yes. Which seems like not the way that issues one and two of a solo series should work. No. No. It, 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 again, it very much feels like all of this has been just to kind of set up for Damon Hellstrom's reveal in Marvel Spotlight, which, honestly, we could have just done this as more issues of Marvel Spotlight. Right. Like, that's what's confusing me, is, like, the whole idea of giving Ghost Rider a solo title is, look, he has escaped Marvel Spotlight and is big enough for his own solo book, and then two issues in, but wait, you need to buy more Marvel Spotlight. And that way, you know, we can have the, the crossover with Damon Hellstrom and kind of have that as the 
Um, okay, Ghost Rider, thanks for seeing us through all these issues of Marvel Spotlight. Now you're going to go off to your own title now. Right, right. Because it ends the saga of Snake Dance and Linda Little, Linda Little Tree. Right. So maybe, maybe yeah, he's still holding Linda Little Tree at the end of the, at the end of the next issue. Yeah. Um. I also I like the lettering of this issue. It's a weird thing to focus on, but I like the lettering a lot. The way that when people start shouting, the letters suddenly turn red and get really big and stylized. Yeah. Uh, there's some definite big energy in this issue where I think even like last issue was lacking. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's more exciting for sure. Yeah. We talked about last issue that the art was a little bit static. Uh, Mooney is still not my favorite ghostwriter artist, but he's getting better in his panel work and is getting more dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I could have done without the uh, the leader of the bikers being a neo-Nazi, but, you know. Yeah. And let's cover that right now, because when the neo-Nazis are left alone with Roxanne, you really feel menace for her. You, like, you really feel worried for her. Yeah, it is an upsetting like, scene. It is very upsetting. You're like... This cannot end well. Right, right. Yeah, it's not good. I, I. Also, it's another assortment of like bikers that are this this weird hodgepodge of visual styles. Yes. Like I see a I see a guy who looks like he might be sort of an old timey cowboy. I see a guy who looks like he might be Macho Man Randy Savage's brother. We've got the neo-Nazi leader. Like, like it's just, there's a lot going on there. I see a guy who looks like he might be wearing a construction helmet. Right. It, it's, there's a lot going on here. And why is Johnny Blaze not fighting back against these guys? Like, he keeps saying that he's trying to, like, conceal his secret identity. That, that he can't let anyone know that he really has satanic powers. Yeah, but if he kicks these guys' ass, no one's going to believe them. R- right. Yeah. Ghost Rider's really possessed by Satan, man, and he f- launched Hellfire at us, and he was real mean to us, and just because we're Nazis, man, it's not cool. It's it, it's not good at all. I mean, no. It, no. It, it, makes, it makes no sense at all. Right. Um, it's also a little confusing that Johnny's like response to the situation he's in is to just give up and summon Satan. Yeah. It's like, Oh, almost drove off the road. Time to summon Satan. This thing I've been fighting against for like the last half a year. Yep. Also, it's not cool that he hits Roxanne. Like, that's that's not very heroic. Okay, that's really not cool. Let's talk about that for a second. Ghost Rider hits Roxanne here. And it's a pretty... She's the only thing standing between him and utter damnation. Yes. And... <laughs> he hits Roxanne, and no one ever mentions this. No. Except like, Roxanne. Hank Pym and Spider-Man 
both get so much shit for hitting their significant others, but Johnny Blaze doesn't does get crap? Yeah, I mean, I guess the difference is Johnny Blaze has always been kind of an asshole. True. Like that, I mean, it, it's not cool, and I really don't like the way it's handled in this issue, but it's also just sort of par for the course for this guy. Like, he's kind of a jerk. Yes, this woman, who is the only thing stop preventing me from being taken control of by Satan and becoming his servant on Earth, yeah, let's just backhand her. Yep. Although he may just be shoving her here, which is still not cool. Right. Although she says that he hit he hit her. True. And I'm inclined to believe her. Yeah, I, I, I always believe the woman. Um, on the next page, we do get... I, I really just like the next page. I like the panel layout. Come on, Satan! My soul is yours for the asking! Yeah, again, sometimes it'd be oh, like yeah. that. But yeah, I really um, like it when witch woman appears in the sky above them in the next panel yeah like the big ball of fire and and the the huge text like it's 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 good stuff it really is good good stuff um and it's just good it's good layout it's good design you've got a sense of depth with her in the background and johnny in the middle ground and roxanne in the foreground and then we've got a really nice look at linded little tree on the okay it's page nine yeah but, okay, Linda looks good. And do we want to talk about the Hellstrom stuff? Um, I think we'll get more into it with the next issue. I like the portrayal of Damon Hellstrom as this exorcist. And I find it really mm -hmm. interesting because it's still going to be a few months until The Exorcist comes out as a film. Right, right. So um, the book was out, but the movie was not. Yeah, but was like the book a, as much as a huge hit as the movie was. It was a bestseller. Um, now it, it it got even bigger when the movie came out, but it it was a bestseller. Okay, and they are a very literary bunch at the bullpen, so there's a good chance somebody read it. But but yeah, so it, it's interesting, and we mentioned this last time, but I do get very much a sort of proto john constantine vibe here very much so although he's a bit more of a goody goody than um john ever has been right uh, so it's it might be interesting to see I, I i really wonder now how much of an influence damon hellstrom was on the conception of john constantine because it just feels so very similar and it's like, what if we just combined Hellstrom's two personalities, which we'll get more into later, and boom, you get John Constantine. Well, and, and the thing is, you know what, what it, the more I think about it, the more Damon Hellstrom is, is what if John Constantine was Etrigan the Demon? Ooh. Crap, that's right. That's exactly what this is. And you could actually argue that this is a response to Etrigan the Demon. Right, which was a Kirby creation for the Distinguished Competition. Right, which was coming out around this time. Yep. Ooh. Good old Jason Blood, who bears a lot of similarities to this version of Damon Hellstrom. Ooh. Yep. Wow. I think we've hit on something here. Yep, yep. 
I'd have to look at publication dates and all that to be sure, but I, I think whichever one came first, who I'm not sure, but you can draw a line between those two characters. Without looking at publication dates, I would speculate that Kirby came first. Now, as we are very much aware of, they did have people going back and forth between DC and Marvel carrying uh, um, basically um, Xeroxes of Kirby pages looking, look what Kirby's doing over there, look what Kirby's doing over there, what can we do in response? Right, right. Because they were extremely worried about Kirby's move to the competition. And, and rightfully so. He was the king. Indeed. Um, so, so yeah, I think the, the, the Hellstrom stuff... And, and here, he is kept fairly mysterious. We don't really get a good look at him post-transformation. We see just a glimpse of a part of his costume. Yes. Which... We'll talk about costumes later. Right, right. Um, but yeah, it's... It's a it's an okay issue. I I wish there was more of Ghost Rider riding, um, but the stuff in Hell looks really cool. Um, the stuff with Witch Woman looks really cool. Um, I do like the callback to the last time Johnny Blaze was in Hell, and I kind of like the way they do it. It's like in dial. It's like the world is around them is transforming to facilitate the flashback. Right, yeah. Which is not bad at all. No, I mean, that that's downright, uh, to, to coin a phrase, Plugian in its layout. Yes. And considering that we both really thought that fight was the highlight of the Ghost Rider character so far, it's nice to get a little callback to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know the the demon creatures that swarm at the end of the issue look cool. Like they're very sort of yeah. traditional yeah. winged demon monsters, but but it's a good look. Yeah, they they're they are very much demon monsters by way of uh, kind of Kirby esque monsters. Right, right. But that's okay with a with a little bit of like seventies rock and roll metal albums thrown in. Yeah, but not too much, because, you know... No, no. Again, it's not Plug. So, I guess there's really no beating around the bush. We should probably move on to the Marvel Spotlight issue. Yeah, because the, the two fit together so so completely. Like, they're really all one story. And and so, to keep going, I think we do need to move on and, and get to what happens in Marvel Spotlight. Yep. So, we'll be right back with that, lovely listeners, right after this message. If you grew up in the Bay Area during the 1970s or 80s, you likely remember watching scary movies every Saturday night on Creature Features. Well, guess what? It's back! That's right! Creature Features is back every Saturday night at 10 p.m. on Coffee TV 20. Join Vincent, Livingston, and the beautifully spooky Tangella. You'll see horror films, sci-fi films, monster films, and so much more. Each week, there's a new and interesting guest. Some of them are famous, some of them are not. There's no better way to enjoy a scary 
movie than with your friends at Creature Features in their haunted Victorian mansion. Creature Features. Every Saturday night at 10 p.m. on Coffee TV 20, YouTube, Roku, and Fire TV. For more information and other station listings, visit CreatureFeatures.tv. First time was only a warning. Damien, Omen 2. Now showing at the Leicester Square Theatre. Certificate X. Available in paperback from Futura Books. Welcome back to Tomb of Ideas, a Marvel Horror Podcast. Our second issue today is Marvel Spotlight, number 12, cover date October 1973, title The Son of Satan. Written by Gary Friedrich, pencils by Herb Trimpey, uh, inks by Frank Chiramonte, colorist is Marie Severin, letterer is John Costanza, and the editor is Roy Thomas. The mysterious Damon Hellstrom struggles against the mystic bonds supposedly protecting him from the night. Desperate to save Linda Littletree, Sam Silvercloud releases Hellstrom, only to see him transform into the Son of Satan. The Son of Satan accosts Sam and Snakedance, and uses the power of his elemental trident to demand that they reveal everything they know about Linda and her whereabouts. They resist despite his power, but when he insists that his intention is not to harm the girl, they give him what little information they have. Satisfied, the Son of Satan waves his trident and summons the demon-drawn Chariot of Satan. He follows Linda's trail to the desert, where Roxanne Sampson is still being attacked by bikers following the disappearance of Ghost Rider last issue. Sensing Rocky's connection to his father, Son of Satan easily dispatches the bikers to find out what happened to Linda and Ghost Rider. Having heard Rocky's story, Son of Satan departs for hell, leaving her abandoned once again. His arrival interrupts Satan's ritual to claim the souls of Johnny Blaze and Linda Littletree. Son of Satan antagonizes his father for his weakness and mental deterioration, his arrival interrupts Satan's ritual to claim the souls of Johnny Blaze and Linda Littletree. Son of Satan antagonizes his father for his weakness and mental deterioration, and threatens him with the elemental trident made of netheranium, the only substance that can harm the devil. Unfazed, Satan unleashes his horde of soulless minions. Hellstrom fights his way through the army until he reaches the bridge that supports the entirety of Hell's structure. If he destroys that bridge with the trident, his father's kingdom will collapse with it. Despite his fury, Satan is secretly pleased with his son's ruthlessness. He acquiesces to Hellstrom's demands to release Johnny and Linda from their bonds and return them to Earth. As Hellstrom guides the two to the surface, he insists that he only saved them to spite his father, and that one day he will get his final revenge for what Satan did to his mother and sister. Satan makes one last attempt to thwart his son, unleashing a volcanic eruption, but they escape in Hellstrom's demonic chariot. The son of Satan leaves Johnny and Linda in the wilderness 
before rushing away so that at sunrise I am he may become human the once more. Artwork. Yeah, this this is of this sort of three-part story. Um, this is probably the best art we've yeah. gotten. Like there is a p- panel on page 12 where Hellstrom is confronting the bikers and he appears to them yep. and he's holding his cloak over his face and it's it's a really good panel. Yeah, no, that that's yes. how you make an entrance. That is some straight up like Dracula Batman cape action there. If Joe Bob was here, he'd call that cape foo. We got one case of cape foo. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, I, I like the, uh, the approach to, to, it's weird. Hellstrom's powers seem way more yes. clearly defined than Ghost like Riders. they are taking pains to be like, okay, he can convey the fires of hell, he can summon these demons, he has, uh, some, uh, weather control... It's an elemental trident, so he can do like I guess the the four el- like uh, earth, fire, wind, he can water kind of thing. planet. <laughs> yep, he has a cool Which, flaming. It kind chariot. of reminds me of the chariot that Thor has in the Simonson run. Hmm. Yeah. Which apparently he's had the whole time, but doesn't really get any play until the Simonson run. Right, right. Well, because that, I mean, I think that's straight out of the, the mythology. Yeah, so carrying on from the previous issue, um, it is uh, it is nice to see the uh, the bikers get thoroughly uh, Right, dispatched. in a fight between Satan and Nazis, I'll take Satan every time. We do that's have fair. the that unfortunate uh, fact that Native Americans are referred to as Indians in the entire story. Oh, yes. All throughout. All, all throughout. Yes. So that's not great. Um, so do you think we've Man, seen the I last hope of Snake so. Dance finally? Probably not, because Johnny's probably going to return him to Snake Dance next episode, but next issue but of Ghost yeah. Rider. But I, I hope we've seen the last of Snake Dance. He's looking real rough in, under Herb Trimpey's pencil. He he is, and <laughs> I, I like the bit where uh, where Sam is like, "Stop mouthing off and kill us already." I think the old man's already had it. <laughs> so we talked last time that we don't get a good look at Son of Satan. Well, here we get him in all his hellish glory, and uh, that that is it certainly is a look. All okay. It's really weird that. Satan's son looks like a circus costume. Because that's what that is. That is straight up a circus costume. You've got the cape. You've got the bright it red is. trousers. You've got the flared boots. It's... Yeah. I get the cape. Because that's... The, like, it gives the, the collar with sort of the, the demonic look. Um, I get having no shirt. Because the, the, the brand, the mark of Satan, yeah. is like his whole deal. But beyond that, I'm not sure why he has to have no. the, the fancy. And I think that. later, 
portrayals of the character will kind of do away with some of these flares. For like, because let's be honest, mm-hmm. he looks like somebody from a superhero comic. Right, right. Which, which will, which will make sense once he starts really showing up in superhero comics. But for yeah, now, it's a because little Ghost Rider is very much not looking like he's from a superhero comic. So right. that will be interesting. And of course, nowadays he uh, either goes without the cape and just a pair of leather pants, or he'll have a trench coat occasionally. Right, right. Um, but but it is a little more subdued look than than this early appearance. A couple things that that just stand out to me story wise that that I wanted to to mention. Um, I hate to say it, but. I'm getting a little tired of the formula of monstrous protagonist yeah, who transforms at night. It is a little old. I mean, it's old You're enough right, that that did. used to be Hulk wow, Simo. It's been forever since that was the case, but yeah. But but yeah, it's just it's and I think that's something they'll probably get away from over Hopefully. time with with Son of Satan. Um, but but it just it strikes me as you know, how many times can it's, you play the Jekyll and Hyde card? You it, know? It, it, it's a classic horror trope. It is. And it's not done poorly no. here. Like, it, it works. It, it does work. But yeah, it is very much and very similar to the Jack Russell Werewolf by Night transformations. The John yep. Blaze transformations. Extremely similar It'll be, we really need to see something different. And I know we're, we're kind of heading for something different with Werewolf by Night soonish, And I'm not sure about Ghost Rider right. or Son of Satan. And of course... But I, I do feel like we're, we're approaching a point where these characters are going to need to differentiate themselves true. some more. Crap, even Dracula can't come out until nighttime. But that makes sense for him. Right, right. I mean that—that's the whole vampire thing. But, uh, but the, the other thing is uh, that just knowing what I do know of what happens down the road in Marvel comics over the years, there are going to be retcons that basically cause this specific issue Lovely. to no longer make any sense whatsoever. Yeah, because I mean, I just did a Google image search for Damon Hellstrom. Just, you know, so I can compare costumes over the years. And I can already tell we are in some, for some weird stuff with this guy. Yeah. But but no, like, uh, like because of the way that his origin gets retconned and the way Ghost Rider's origin gets retconned, like, the devil that is the father of Damon Hellstrom is not the same devil and then that it made is a deal again. with Johnny I Blaze. think it's been retconned again where it is now the same devil again. Okay, because for a while, like, one was, I forget his name, like, there's a there's a different Lord of Hell that's the father of, of Damon Hellstrom, and then Mephisto is the, so, the one again, that made deal with Johnny So, again, not Blake. the same devil who's the father of, say, like, Blackheart, or is it? God damn it, Marvel, how many Satans do huh. you need? Well, so here's the thing, in Marvel, Satan is a title. And so Satan is, is sort of the title that is held by the the ruler of hell. 
and for a very long time in Marvel Comics, no one demon has amassed enough power now, of to course, actually Danny be Danny catches of the leader of hell. I think currently, dun, yes. Dun, dun, or at least dun, dun. he was. Comics! Huh. Yep. So, anyway. Hell, as a concept in Marvel, is incredibly complicated, and we're just now sort of beginning to create the complications in these issues that will get even weirder. Yeah, I mean... Oh, God, we're gonna have to talk about all of them, aren't we? Because we are Uh, so close linked with Hell. Oh, wow. Yep. Okay. That's cool, man. Uh, Well, and almost every time anything important happens in Hell... Either Son of Satan or Ghost Rider is involved. Now, there is Inferno, but we're just covering that because, you know, we should. Inferno's awesome. But uh, how about that that, uh, Netheranium that that is apparently Only Christians have known about this for thousands of years. (laughs) Of course, now my my first thought (laughs) is let's give Wolverine Netheranium claws. (laughs) Oh, no. Wolverine, Devil Hunter. Uh, well, he does have those like no, those hot claws or whatever now. Th- there was a thing for a while where he could like, if he concentrated, he could like superheat Is his claws. Is that still a thing? I don't know if it's still a thing. I don't read mutant comics because they make even less sense than normal Do Marvel less, comics. Make, make less sense than Marvel comics about hell. No. You see what you've done no. to yourself. <laughs> and I'm right there with you. Huh. Um But yeah, uh, this is this is a, a decent true introduction to to Damon Hellstrom as a, a character. Um again, right now we get this sort of split personality of Hellstrom being like the, the kind person who wants to, like, save souls, and Hellstrom being the selfish jerk who just wants right. to, like, destroy and again, destroy this poverty. story is actually a really good introduction to Hellstrom, this three-part crossover we've had. The problem mm-hmm. is... Yeah. Two-thirds of that... <laughs> Two of those three parts. Yeah. And then Ghost Rider comics! Yeah. Supposedly yeah. the first two issues of his own title series! Yep. It's just like, an editor would not do this nowadays. We'd hope. Right. And even then, like, we are, what, uh, this is is technically Damon Hellstrom's third appearance, because because he he debuted in Ghost Rider 1, he appeared in Ghost Rider 2. This is his third appearance. It is in his fourth appearance that we will get his origin story. I mean, we didn't get Batman's origin story until, like, months down the line so it's fine true but that that was sort of a different yeah. time though yeah. it, it 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 just kind of reminds me of how peter david bitches about having to tie stuff into crossovers even when he's in in his first few yes. issues of a title yes 
Yeah. Oh, uh, for for a great example of that, uh, listen to the episode of the Flight Stuff podcast where they talk about the issue of Alpha Flight that was forced to tie Oof. into Secret Wars Two. I, I know I've read that. I just it it's a vague memory because I think I've suppressed most of the most of what I read of Secret Wars Two. Um. That's because Secret Wars 2 is a very bad crossover where not much happens except for Spider-Man teaching... The yeah, that's the only thing I remember. It's the only thing and anyone remembers. And Dazzler. Because apparently Dazzler yeah, is the most yeah. beautiful woman on Earth. And everybody wants to marry her. Although I kind of like what I, the like the fan casting I've seen of Taylor Swift as Dazzler. Because that kind of works. I could see that. Yeah, yeah. But getting back to uh, oh yeah, hell, we were there, weren't we? Um, <laughs> um, seems like just poor architectural design to like have that one bridge be uh, essential to the entire like structural integrity of. Also, hell. I really don't think of hell as having structural integrity. Yeah, bridges. I, I kind of think of hell as its own domain. It's like own dimension or something. Yeah, and that's again like we're gonna retcons are gonna get there, but like this hell that that Damon Hellstrom goes to is very clearly underground. Like it is inside the earth. Um, but later on when we get visions of hell and Marvel, it's it's like an alternate dimension. Okay. That you go through like a portal to get to, but yeah, here like like they go through a cave and end up back on the surface at a volcano because of course you'd go through a volcano to Which, get to hell. Apparently, the devil can just spring up a volcano in the middle of the southwestern desert. Dang, Satan's powerful. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess because he has similar powers to what Damon Elstrom would have, and so he would have the elemental powers. I like suppose. That. Because Hellstrom stole that trident from his father. And, of course, we leave uh, with Hellstrom, like, rushing back to, to transform into a human. Uh, meanwhile, Johnny Blaze and the unconscious Linda Littletree are just stranded yeah. in the middle of nowhere. Johnny Blaze looks like he's, he's, he's had a rough week. Which he has. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I will say, I oh, think yeah, the cover point. on this it's issue solid. is pretty good. Yeah. Honestly, the cover for <laughs> the Ghost Rider issue that we covered earlier isn't bad either. No, it's we we've had more than one cover now that had Ghost Rider sort of confronting a demon or devil or whatever, but this is one of the the yeah, better ones. Even though it's a weird version of like Satan, I don't hate it. In fact, mm -hmm. I would like that as just like a costumed yeah. hero. Yeah, well, you know, it looks like the sort of cover that could have okay. started as a cover for Mark of Satan. But, you know, like when they were still considering, like, okay. making Although Satan it is a little bit a close to Daredevil. It, it, it's very Daredevil, um, with a little bit of Dormammu and a little and bit a little of bit Human of Torch. In the eyes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. with the, the eyes, I think. Yeah. 
It's a good cover, though. It, it, at least True. Ghost Rider has a motorcycle on the cover. There's nowhere to be seen in the issue. Right. Oh, right. by the way, and, I uh, love how the Son of Satan cover says, Ominous Origin Issue! No, we that don't is not at all what at this all. is. No. In fact, the uh, the very last page has a caption saying that you Ominous need to read the issue. next it's issue Ominous to get the We want you to spend more money. Yep. Well, like, that's the thing. Like, there are no less than, like, three caption boxes in this one comic advising you that you need to read yeah. other comics. Give us your two dimes. It's like, confused and confounded, Pilgrim? We suggest you read Ghost Rider number two <laughs> to clear the air. Uh, I am just tickled by this issue. I'm tickled by this whole crossover. It, it's a, it's such a weird idea. Um, it's not bad, but I don't know why it was done this no. way. Um, but yeah, then uh, in the middle of the issue, um, as uh, Roxanne is being attacked by the bikers, it all happened in Ghost Rider number yeah. two. And I am glad that Roxanne is rescued from the bikers, although she is also left in the middle of the desert. Yep, by herself. Although I think she has a truck. Mm, Yes, yeah, I don't think anything bad happened to the truck. It's not her truck. The truck truck is stolen. So, you know, that's a whole other issue. Um, Then, like a few pages after the caption about the bikers showing up in Ghost Rider, around the time Son of Satan abandons her, you get a caption... To find out what happens to her, yep. don't miss Ghost Rider number three. Like, again, every few pages, this comic is advertising yep. another comic. So at this point, in order to find out what happens next in this one issue... And if you want to hear what we think about that, issues. tune into the next episode of Horror Business, a Cinepunks podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we should start doing crossovers like that, where... In order to find out what happens in the next issue, you have to listen to this other podcast. <laughs> I think our listeners would abandon us in droves. Oh, probably, probably. We don't quite, we don't quite have that Marvel cloud no. to get away with that. No. Although I do like to think of myself as a modern day Irving Forbush. <laughs> but as we've said, good art, uh, interesting story. Of these three issues, I think the Son of Satan issue is probably the strongest, the the spotlight issue. In part because it doesn't feel like a bunch of extra stuff. Right, it feels like its own thing. The problem is it's hijacked someone else's thing for the last two issues in order to be its own thing. Right, right. So, I, I think now that this sort of crossover interlude introduction is is done i I think both books are going to be better for it if if we were collecting the essential hellstrom would we collect the snake dance stuff as well even the stuff from marvel spotlight you'd have to maybe maybe not whole issues but like you'd have to have some of that background in order to know what's going on I suppose. Like, it is ridiculous that Snake right? Dance is still a character I in thought, these like, comics. two issues. This guy's gone. It'll be okay. 
Like, like, how long ago was he I think like a supervillain defeated? So long. Like, basically as long as we have been following Ghost Rider. Just, just about. about. Like, we have he been was talking about Snake Dance all goddamn spotlight. summer. This is our Snake Dance summer. Right. It's crazy. Um, and we still have to resolve what happens to, to Linda now that they've been abandoned in the desert. So, nope. it's not over yet, folks. Not over yet. But, I think that does sort of... Uh, wrap up our coverage of this three-part epic Ghost Rider Son of Satan crossover. Before we go, we do want to give a shout-out to, I guess, co-founder of, of Cinepunks, Liam, who, along with one of his podcasting co-hosts, Doug Tilly, ha- has recently launched a new brand of podcasts. Which, they're, they're movie-related, but I think there's a fair amount of crossover between comics interests and movie interests, so I figured I would just sort of go briefly through some of the new offerings that they're going to be recording. So, Liam and, and Doug started out doing Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man, which is a podcast all about the filmography of Eric Roberts. Um, you might remember, uh, dedicated listeners, that uh, I made a brief appearance uh, near the end of that podcast's run. It is going to continue as a series of special episodes as they check in every now and then on uh, on Eric Roberts and his output. But Liam and Doug have some other podcasts they're working on under the category Cinema Smorgasbord. So they've got We Do Our Own Stunts, which is chronologically looking at the work of martial arts superstar and recording artist Jackie Chan. Cinema Fantastica is going to be putting two different movies that were popular at genre festivals in opposition to each other, sort of comparing films and and, uh, seeing which one uh, comes out on top. They've got You Don't Know Dick, which is going to be all about the filmography of character actor Dick Miller which I'm very excited about. And and I think all of those are supposed to launch in the near future. Keep an eye out for that. They have a Twitter, Cinema Smorg, and if you follow them there, uh, you'll be able to right. subscribe really good as podcast. each of those shows launch. But if you do want to tell us what you think about this podcast, you could always reach us at the Cinepunks homepage, of course, cinepunks.com slash tomb of ideas for us. And you can, of course, email us. We are always happy to read emails on the air. Or just receive your kind words, if, even if you don't want them read on the air. And that's tombofideas at gmail.com. You can also, also reach us on our Twitter, at tombofideas, or our Facebook page, www.facebook.com slash tombofideas. We look forward to hearing from you. And also, in addition to reaching out to us, please do subscribe and rate and review. Um, Give us your feedback on those different podcasting platforms, whether you're using iTunes or Spotify or whatever podcatcher you like to use. Um, Click click a number, click the stars there, type up a little review. Um, It helps us get seen by other people, and it also uh, just gives us a sense of how we're doing. We we really do want to hear from you guys. Anyway, Trey, I think that does do it for another thrilling episode of Tomb of Ideas. It sure does, and we'll be back in a couple of weeks with some more great horror comics. It looks like for episode 27, 
We're going to be looking at Strange Tales number 179 and Tales of the Zombie number 2. So we've yep. got another big magazine we're episode coming up. Turn to our old friend, Simon Garth, and see what's going on with him yes. down in the swamp. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it, actually. Yeah, yeah. And then also uh, Strange Tales 179 will be following up with more Something of to the look introduction forward to of for Brother you voodoo Udin. lovers out there. And we know you are out there because I keep on feeling the needle pit poking into me. <laughs> anyway, I think that does it for this episode. Uh, tune in next time for those uh, great, uh, great issues. And bye uh, until next time, bye bye. You have been listening to the Tomb of Ideas, a Marvel horror podcast. Until next time, Tumblers Excelsior! <laughs>